welcome to episode 110 of Friends of Film, a podcast covering latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Venom's trailer, Michael Bay heading to DC, diversity at Lucasfilm, and more after review The Cloverfield Paradox. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man eager for press screenings for Annihilation, Josh Straley. Really, really, really one one. The re- like the reviews are out some reviews the are tweets out. are out mm-hmm. about it the tweets are out for black panther 2 and uh i just i'm probably gonna start bugging you know people in pr to get <laughs> one or you know launch a sting operation yeah good luck with that i mean if if you guys want to help you know get josh into this goal where we can get press screeners for movies or early access there's a great way to do that by listening yes yeah, and oh, and be sure, if you want to, check out all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends in Film, and then, to help us get there, check out the rest of our shows, which are on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, Google Play, and if you can, leave us a review. It really helps, and that'll get us up the charts, <laughs> that'll get us more listeners, downloads, and then me... Press screeners. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just not just well, Josh. I will us, also be using them. Yes. That. Obviously, you would uh, probably get be the one actually getting them. But I don't know why that would be the case, but we'll see. Founder. Founder. Host, founder. Host. You know, all those things. All the, President, all the important CEO. titles. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we have a, a chain of command that high that needs a CEO of Friends and Film right I, now. I do have an org chart. It says Cooper, Line, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> nope. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we ever want to get to that point, that'd be great. But as of today, we didn't have to get a press screener. We just had to turn on Netflix to review The Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. Josh already wrote a review. Uh, this one did a surprise drop Sunday night, right after Super Bowl. Uh, you had your review up, I think, on Tuesday, maybe Monday. I can't remember what day I published it. But it's early in the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some good traction so far. So thanks, everybody. If you are listening to this and you read the review and you liked it, thanks for tuning into this and hearing the verbal thoughts of Josh and myself. Uh, it is Josh's week to you know, start it all off since he did the written review. You guys may already know his thoughts. If you haven't, go check it out anyways. But Josh, tell the listeners your thoughts on Cloverfield Paradox. All right. Well, the Cloverfield Paradox is really strategy. I've got kind of like two buckets of thoughts here. Okay. First of all, I wouldn't have to worry about screeners if films were bought up by Netflix and dropped democratically like this. Every single movie. Every single movie. Or like <laughs> this. Because I love this. Uh, I got the movie came out and I was able to watch it and review it along with every other publication. That was like kind of really cool. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, like fighting the urge to check out other people's reviews or things like that. I just watched it, reviewed it, and then I was like, hey, I'm kind of in this club of people who had <laughs> just done this or whatever. But that's about like where the f- the all the fun for Cloverfield Paradox kind of drops off. Oh. Yeah. The movie, there's a reason Netflix, there's a reason Paramount sold it to Netflix. And it's because it does not live up to the the hype, the standard that Cloverfield franchise has kind of set for itself, being unique, um, twisty, sci-fi mystery stories. The Cloverfield Paradox kind of feels like a blatant rip-off space adventure. 
yeah. you know, where it takes things from Alien, Interstellar, and um, Odyssey, you know, 2000. And so it's just not great at all. The, for its cast, I will say it has the best cast of any Cloverfield movie. Uh, Juju Mbathra, David Oyelo, Daniel Bruhl, Chris O'Dowd, Elizabeth Debicki. That, that is a great cast that definitely blows away 10 Cloverfield Lane with, yeah. I mean, it comes close, but uh, John Goodman and Mary Tyler Mary. Elizabeth Winstead. Is it Mary Tyler? I think it's just Mary Elizabeth Winstead. There we go. Okay. Mary Tyler Moore is, there we go. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, and then John Gallagher. John Gallagher's kind of, you know, he's not, he's, he's unknown, but he does a good job. Yeah. But this is definitely the most established talented cast that they had. And I'll say this, Mbath Ra blows everyone away. Mm-hmm. Um, and she will definitely be on people's radars going forward after this film because she carries the thing across the, f- the finish line. But I mean, where I just kind of, fell off with this movie is other Cloverfield films always have a kind of a mystery to them the whole time. And this one tries to ratchet up kind of more of a horror element to it Mm -hmm. versus the last two. And it's not really scary at all. It's just weird and wacky. And the things happening are just sort of like, (laughs) what's, what is that? And more so than you're just like, I am genuinely worried about what's going on here. Um, It's, tense in the beginning but once they fire up the particle accelerator and you know get the plot moving in dimensions and other things like that it's just becomes downright wacky and weird i will say it is stylish as heck um julius ona the director does do really well putting scenes together and things like that i mean that's not really the problem it's just that it's a shoehorned not shoehorned it feels like it's a shoehorned into the cloverfield universe film mm-hmm. that leans on its title more than its film if this wasn't called cloverfield paradox and it was just called god particle do you yeah. think it would change your grade at all i don't think i would have watched it even if it had come from bad robot yeah no i, w- I probably wouldn't have changed my grade okay. at all either i think i saw this film because it was under the right, cloverfield yeah, yeah, moniker yeah. and that's what's really disappointing. I don't think anyone would have probably gone to see 10 Cloverfield Lane as good as it was mm-hmm. if it hadn't been named 10 Cloverfield yeah. Lane. So that's really that's really what I think. But I will say I just I did appreciate and love the marketing strategy, but this movie's just not up to snuff with the rest of the Cloverfield films and I don't know if Paramount's looking for an off-ramp with them. All indications are that they're not because they haven't sold Overlord yet, but No, and they've said that I don't know if they've said but the reports are that they're still planning to release Overlord in theaters later this year. Okay, so I hope that's the case, and I hope that means that what's being produced there is you know, mm-hmm. much higher grade than what we got here. Um, but yeah, I just I wasn't impressed, but I loved the rollout. It was very cool. I hope Netflix does it a lot more. But at the end of the day, I can only give it two out of five ticket stubs. Oh, okay, you bumped it up a little bit. I bumped it up right bumped before up we pushed star. we pushed publish on the uh, no. <laughs> the release. Okay, you were putting photo. You were getting the yeah, and I was like, I guess my conclusion was, and I kind of gave it a little switch. Oh, okay, there we go. Um, I'll say as a Netflix movie, if you want to call it that, because it is technically what it is, but it's a tricky situation where it was a studio movie. Paramount didn't have the faith in it, so they sold it, so mm-hmm. they didn't lose a ton of money on it, and in turn they actually made money 
on Cloverfield, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this. I've watched a lot of movies on Netflix. Uh, this one never lost my interest. You know, yeah, the plot, it's a bit messy. It's a bit goofy or silly, and it kind of goes, oh, I don't know if that works or how that works. <laughs> but it still was – I found myself engaged in what was happening the entire time. I mean, it's it's not the you – know, it's not like a drama. I mean, it, it has those thriller sort of elements, and you're kind of wondering, okay, wait, what's happening? So it kind of – the plot of the movie – sort of helps in that regards but at the same time i thought that the ensemble cast this movie had um really helped keep me interested because gugu and batha raw i thought was great in the lead i mean mm-hmm. she was phenomenal i think at one point she was up for a star wars role i don't really? remember who it was i kind of th- vaguely remember it was for the role Amelia clark ended up landing mm. um I don't remember if that's true or not. It may not be, but I remember her being like linked to Star Wars, and uh, I would love to see her make that jump in the next couple of years. And I mean, yeah, but she's she's so great. Uh, Oyelowo, Daniel Bruhl, O'Dowd, all really good, and just the rest of the class uh, cast I thought were really solid as well. Um, I also liked the way it sort of explains how Cloverfield movies can exist forever. Um, in its explanation of what is happening in this movie and how what they do can affect everything. Yeah. Um, I liked that. I liked the tone of the movie. Uh, I didn't think it was too inconsistent in terms of, oh, okay, we need need to be really dark here and then we're goofy here and then we're super sci-fi here, but then we're like, you know, a a, a heartfelt drama (laughs) next scene. I think there is some parts of that, but I felt for the most part they kept the tone in line throughout the movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, since I never really, we can't really get into everything here because it's kind of spoilery, so we'll move into that. But I really liked, I liked what I saw. Okay. Um, I I enjoyed my time. I don't feel like I, you know, we got the hype during Super Bowl. Of, oh my gosh, we're going to see a Cloverfield movie in a couple hours um, because of the surprise release. I. Yeah, you know, it didn't meet the standards of Cloverfield or 10 Cloverfield Lane, but I still, I wasn't, like, upset that I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I stay up till one thirty when I have mm-hmm. to go to work in six hours. No, I was like, all right, cool. And I'll give it three ticket stubs out of five. Okay. Um, so can I go ahead and jump into where it kind of just lost me? Yeah, so spoilers from here on out right, on Cloverfield Paradox. First 30 minutes, they're tense. You're wondering how this chemical mixture of a crew can work with this scientific, you know, marvel up in space and not be selfish or double-cross anybody. It sets it all up really, really well. And then they fire it up. There's these very um, jarring sequence where the station just goes berserk. And then after that, everything drops off. Chris O'Dowd's arm gets sucked into a wall inexplicably Mm -hmm. just clean off there's no blood it's completely um like you know cottered and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and you're just kind of like shouldn't he be dead or and then like when they show the arm it's just like sucked off clean at the bone (laughs) and then the weirdest part is the arm comes crawling back up the the ramp later and it's able to write you know, clairvoyant messages from uh-huh. the future. And it's just, I'm just like, what? Please explain this part to me. They never do. No. 
And then weird enough, when Elizabeth Debicki finally makes her appearance, she's grafted into the side of the ship. Mm, yeah. Somehow, again, inexplicably. I think that's because when the paradox happened, they like were transported to another universe. And so I don't know if in doing so, like, I, like at some point in the movie, they show that the original station, station in the ocean fell. Right. So I don't know if maybe that thing like kind of like exploded or what happened. And then Debicki was floating on space. They jump there and they jump to the same location. And then Debicki is just like sucked in there. But she would be dead if she was floating in space because she's not wearing any like I, I don't know. I know. It, it, there's, there's a way to explain that. They could have taken, you know, two minutes for one of the scientists to go. I mean, like, stock Russian actor Askel Haney could have just been like, how did he get there? Uh, I don't know, type of yeah. deal, you know? And they never get to that. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts turning on each other before they start looking for the evidence that everyone's like a backstabber. Mm-hmm. And because the dimensions also bring up... The, like when Daniel they jump Brule dimensions, was, yeah. Yeah, like, it changed, like, the data... That was like in the station. So then, right. like Daniel Brühl's character was like portrayed to be a traitor mm-hmm. and still working for the Russians. Who, um, in this timeline, this movie takes place in twenty fifty eight, I think. Yeah, forty years in the future. Um, and at this point in time, like the world is at war with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like starvation, uh, lots of problems. That's why they're going into space to try to find like a new form of energy correct yes if they get the higgs if they're able to experiment and use a particle accelerator correctly enough the higgs boson particle the god particle Mm -hmm. um will provide energy for the entire world and they won't be fighting over oil right and so that kind of becomes the main you know the underlying the stakes of the movie Mm -hmm. but you know uh gosh i have i have no idea why everyone starts to like suspect everyone else before they realize that they're in a different dimension. It's just all really, really unexplained. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Cause I think the jump into another dimension would instantly, um, you know, since they didn't find out about that right away, like you're just inexplic- inexplicably like, wait, there's a girl in our inside of our station all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? Where's Earth? They think they've just like traveled to a different point in space, not into a different dimension. Right. Um, so then we're like, wait, you were a traitor. You're this. You're that. I think it makes sense that they wouldn't catch on right away since they didn't know, if I remember correctly, that they were in this alternate dimension. Right. So it'd just be like, oh, shoot. I didn't know you, and like tensions were already high because um, the thing wasn't working, and they finally got it to work, and they're running low on resources and everything. So, yeah, fuel. Um, the pressure was on. So, I think it, if they're like, oh, you're sabotaging us, that's why we, we haven't been able to get this thing to work, it, se- it seemed natural enough to me. But, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff like the worm being teleported in the, into um, Henny's stomach, and then <laughs> yeah. he also has the cube thing, the gyroscope, the gyrosphere. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, man, that that guy's body. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the that's the message that the hand Chris O'Dowd's arm writes to them. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, how does the arm know is Chris O'Dowd alive in another universe? And right, is there like, I don't know, is it? 
it's almost like a time loop where some version of O'Dowd has lived this before. Mm-hmm. That's not the O'Dowd that was from our Earth. Right. That was from the alternate Earth, and that was actually his hand, so he knew about it. And so then, like, when they transport to another dimension, the dimension tried to fix that timeline to make it fit with theirs because, like, it killed off um, ZZ Shang, who right. wasn't on the mission on that on this other Earth. Mm-hmm. That was Elizabeth Debicki's role. They put Elizabeth Debicki in the station, killed her off um, not soon after. You know, Brol was the traitor in that dimension. Yep. They That changed into there, and... Um, uh, maybe that's how it works. That like that because they transport to another point in time, the time itself was trying to f- make them work in their timeline. Sure, but why wouldn't they tell us that at all? Like, see, this, this is the mystery. These, that's not that's not a part of the mystery. <laughs> it's never revealed. It's just, I mean, plot plot holes are oh, plot holes are an overused term yeah. for things that you know aren't explained outside of like the story. But the story just needs you to make logical jumps that it itself doesn't want to take time explaining. Right. And they could have too, but instead they cut down to earth because they're like, well, we've got to show some destruction and right. provide some stakes on a different dimension. And they do show us um, Juju Mbothra's husband, you know, in the film. Mm-hmm. If you, and he's dealing with the attack of, surprise, surprise, the Easter egg at the end of the film, the Cloverfield monster. Yeah. Clover. And that's really cool to see at the end. And I did kind of be like, hey, there's that. But we don't see it at all during the rest of the movie. And it's just sort of like the big wink, wink. Hey, hey, this is in that universe. Exactly. And that's just where I was just, I mean, as as pleased as I was to see that, it just became, uh, oh, okay. That's it. Right. We, We made a movie that now we'll just say, hey, it's in the universe. Please yeah. watch it. Well, I mean, apparently, like, J.J. was still, like, he wanted to do more reshoots on it, but... Star Wars. Uh, allegedly, Star Wars got in the way. It was probably a combination of that, but then Paramount was like, oh, we don't... You know, this movie already had cost them. I think the budget was, like, $40 million, and that's four times as much as the previous two movies, so they're not gonna... They probably were hesitant to go even further into this instead of just pulling the plug, give it to Netflix... Let it kind of be a little bit of a mess, um, but one that you know I think some people can still find some elements of enjoyment out of, uh, or at least intrigue at the very least. So, um, yeah, I think I don't know. I was a little confused by the ending because it popped up and I was like, oh, and then like there are those attacks on Earth at the same <laughs> time that we see Roger Davies and like they it, they make it seem like this is all taking place at the same time as the original Cloverfield. And allegedly it is. But that doesn't work unless the original Cloverfield was actually taking place 50 years in the future, which it never really hinted at. But it never gives a date on the original Cloverfield. True, but also the monster at the end is much bigger in Paradox than it is in the original Cloverfield. Because the original Cloverfield, that thing's like just as tall as a building. In, in Paradox, that thing's towering over the clouds. So I think it means that there are multiple monsters. Either the, I thought it was also it sounds like they're she they are in London, Great Britain, mm-hmm. and the original Cloverfield monster in is in New York. Yeah. So I guess it, again, 
things that aren't explained right. for a film that's supposed to tie the other two together well, somehow. Maybe, but all at the same time, like, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane didn't really explain how it's connected to Cloverfield. Right. It's just like, oh, here's a different alien attack. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. Right. I think this one, whether it's because of the trailer and showing footage from the first Cloverfield or um, just doing this sort of a story, if it kind of put the pressure on itself to deliver that kind of connectivity or if that's just something people are now used to because of you know franchise like star wars marvel dc yeah whatever uh, you want that connectivity throughout so to have a franchise that doesn't play into that at all um can be i think kind of irritating but i also don't think at any point in cloverfield was it the people weren't asking the questions of okay how is all this stuff happening they were they're just wondering how do we get home Mm-hmm. They weren't concerned of, you know, what is and is not from their dimension or why these things are happening. So I think maybe it's just part of the film's internal logic that that's not the point. Um, you know, you go back to, you know, who, who Snoke agree. is not the point of yes, Star Wars 7. I agree. But it makes a point to say, we need to, what's what's going on on Earth here? And it it yeah. it wants to do that. And by making those decisions, it says... We're going to connect it, but they they don't put that. It didn't feel like enough mm-hmm. at effort was putting into tying everything up with a ribbon, taping it, or right. whatever you were doing. Because I totally agree with that. I would love to approach a movie on just what it is, mm-hmm. but it also says, time out, cut to earth four or five, six, seven times. Yeah. And let's you know give it thus the view at sea level instead of you know from outer space uh-huh. and that's just where i think it really lets itself down just that 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 stuff was unnecessary yeah and i think it hurts the overall okay. story yeah. because why not tell us what chris o'dowd's arm is right. or, you know whatever the case is at least someone be at least positive theory mm-hmm. but you know um i did I, yeah yeah so, i mean that that's totally fair i think the other thing if we're looking for connectivity or franchise setup or Easter eggs or whatever, um, very early on in the movie, there's like that mm-hmm. interview going on on television. They're broadcasting yeah. up in the station for Cable a reason. Show. And some random guy, the officer from Gotham, uh, <laughs> is right. like talking about the paradox and this theory that he has that, you know, if, if this thing works, it's actually going to open up a ripple in the space-time continuum and it's going to bring ghosts and demons and mm-hmm. monsters from other dimensions yep. uh, to their Earth, which I think is how they're just going to explain every other Cloverfield movie of like... Because it doesn't say that like it's all going to happen at the same time. They could open up a rift at a different point in a different dimension at a different time. So like the next... Like Overlord's supposed to be like a World War II mm-hmm. movie where like zombie-type people yeah. um, get involved. So I think that's probably how they'll explain that. Just like, all right, this is either... This is a different dimension. This is a different Earth. But because of what happened in Paradox, the time continuum was broken, and these monsters are now invading D-Day, and now it's up to these characters to defeat them. Mm-hmm. So I think, at least on that aspect, knowing you know, as we go forward with future Clofia movies, because the plan is to do one every year, um, and... Cloverfield 5 may already be done with, or may already be in development with Daisy Ridley starring. So, uh, knowing that that's how they'll just kind of explain, like, oh, yeah, it's just a different dimension, but it's still all tied together from one event that has spawned all these different other events, I think is uh, an interesting way to explain it, but one that's never going to be like, oh, 
Well, can Mary Elizabeth Winstead appear in this one? No, it's d- right. different Earth, different time, different dimension, whatever. Yeah, precisely. And I do, I do like that aspect of it, especially. I mean, it was a little random for some rando yeah. guy to like read my book, The Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, it was very to- uh, expositional. <laughs> yes, uh, but I'm like, okay, I-, I will buy into that. I mean, I didn't need him to say those words for me to be like, I actually can't wait for Overlord, right? To you know explain why there are these things. But absolutely, I'm here for it. All right. Um, any closing thoughts or closing statement on Paradox? Uh, just that I'd never watched Juju Mbath Ra act before, and I would cast her in literally any Anything? and everything. <laughs> <laughs> she I crushed it. Totally agree with that. I will say if you're a fan of Cloverfield, I'd say lower your expectations. Go in. Maybe Colton has you know something in the, like Netflix <laughs> movies aren't real movies sort of thing that, that mindset that he has. Um, he go doesn't in really it. think that. That that is what oh he thinks. Um, well, I don't know. Approach as like a VOD release, a straight to DVD sort of thing. Not in, don't think of it in the big screen quality, and maybe you'll still have some fun with it. Or if you can, maybe sidestep some of the you know, the questions about how is this happening and just go on for the ride. Yeah. I think you can uh, find some enjoyment out of it just oh, like I have. And I do have a fun fact. Okay. This is the first time Daniel Brühl ever played a character with the name Schmidt. Okay. <laughs> I felt like, I'm like watching this, like he always plays the same German guy <laughs> in every film, but it turns out it's the first time his character's name is Schmidt. Okay. Well, there you go. There's your fun fact for Cloverfield Particle. Uh, Go check it out on Netflix if you are interested. If not, don't worry about it. That's or, all. Yeah, or read the review. Or read the review, absolutely. Um, that's all we have for our review of Cloverfield Paradox. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news. And as always, we're going to start with Ticket or Skip It. This week, we got two very big superhero-related trailers. The first one being a teaser for Tom Hardy's Venom. What is this movie? It's the Tom Hardy biopic, right? (laughs) Man, I I have no idea. It is literally just Tom Hardy being Tom Hardy doing Tom Hardy things. For the first 30 seconds, I was convinced that they weren't going to show Tom Hardy's face and just be like, go super vague. I'd be like, wow, <laughs> Sony is really just has no confidence in this thing. They're not going to show Venom. They're not going to show Hardy's face. They're just going to show the back of his head as he's walking through various <laughs> convenience stores. I'm just like, oh, what, man. What is he doing now? Is he, is he at a vending machine? Oh, okay. Uh, he's now walking to the park, uh, yeah, shooting some hoops. It's actually right. just an autobiographical <laughs> documentary of a day in the life of tom hardy <laughs> and I, uh, that may have been more interesting honestly yeah I, all we get are these vague sirens we get tom hardy doing some voiceover about i've had some problems and i'm got this really awful queen's accent is that what he's going for I, I no it's something idea. in between because he can do an american accent very yeah. well and he does it a, a lot of the time but this is something a lot more nasally and it's like i want to do queens but i haven't been in queens for a while so i'm gonna do something 
different, like Californian. Yeah. He's like blending the two, and it's terrible. Uh, so I hope <laughs> I hope it's not what it seems like. Uh, it probably is, <laughs> but, but yeah. But we don't get any view of anything remotely, you know, looking like a Venom film, mm-hmm. other than a three, four second, two second shot of the symbiote inside of these containers with um you know some scientists and an entire security guard yep around it and that's it so i was like all right so this is the venom movie <laughs> yeah it was your fifth most anticipated movie of the year yeah if you had saw this trailer beforehand would it still be five, or would it have dipped? Uh, no, it's still at five. I'm not changing it. Okay, uh, this doesn't deter me at all. But it's just a—it's like, it's almost a "what's the point of this" type yeah. of a teaser. I know you're anxious to start building the hype train for your film, but if people are just going to roll their eyes at it, is that really a successful start? No, no, it's not. It's not at all. I don't think I saw S. I mean, more than five positive reactions to this trailer online. Because it's ev- how do you make a Venom movie trailer and not show Venom? Mm-hmm. It's just it's like, what are we gonna make? Uh, you know, was Black Panther's first trailer devoid of Black Panther? <laughs> no, it was all Black Panther. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, but because you still see Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, he is right. the regular part of this, but. You know, I don't want to hear the excuse of, uh, you know, Sony, you know, the, the VFX aren't ready. It just finished shooting. Then don't release a trailer. Mm-hmm. If it's not ready, don't do it. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, like, the only good thing I thought about this, the tone seemed interesting. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't, you know, overly jokey. It seemed more like a thriller, um, which I, or like a mystery, which I, I thought, okay, that could be, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, just all the, the plot elements, I mean, we just see Tom Hardy getting an MRI. He has one moment where he just freaks out, and you're like, oh, that's Tom Hardy for mm-hmm. sure. And you see the symbiote start crawling up his neck a little bit. But it's just like, that's all you're going to give me? Yeah. Come on. It's just, it, I don't know. It felt like a waste of a trailer that they could have held off on, waited till some, you know, some other Comic-Con convention, or wait to attach it to Infinity War, and then give us the reveal for five months out instead of doing this after your first look image was just Tom Hardy with a notebook. <laughs> it's just, man, I don't know. This just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. So skip it. I mean, I'm going to see the movie. Well, but this is what it is though. Based, based on this teaser trailer, ticket or skip it. I'm not buying a ticket based on this trailer. Okay. Yeah. I would say the same thing here. I'd say skip it. <clears throat> Based off of this. I'm guessing there will be another trailer that will be, all right, I'll take it based on that. And though I've been making fun of Tom Hardy's, you know, the vocals in this thing, he is is laying out the theme of the film, demons, um, things that you're going to be fighting against. And that's, I think to me, that is my favorite part of Venom and Eddie Brock's arc in some Mm -hmm. of the more traditional comics is that, he is a deeply troubled guy who's, you know, been down on his luck and has to fight, you know, versus, you know, being angry and bitter. Right. And that's sort of the, what the Venom symbiote latches on to. Yeah. And if he, he's dealing with that throughout this movie and then when the Venom symbiote and all the, you know, complications of the Life Corporation and things like that 
come into play, great. But yeah, no, this this trailer is weird or not? It's not <laughs> weird. It's just dumb and pointless. Yes. So exactly. Um, but one trailer that was much better, and I will already give it a ticket for, okay. is the new trailer for Deadpool Two. Ooh. You guys know I was not a big fan of the first quote-unquote <laughs> teaser because it didn't show anything um, you gotta of any substance. You got to appreciate Bob Ross. Sure, but at the same time, you know, I I wanted I wanted to see this what this movie had to hold, and this uh, this Josh Brolin guy mm-hmm. looks like he's gonna have a heck of a year. <laughs> yeah, between this, he's got Infinity War, he's got Soldado. I yep. mean. That dude's gonna dominate summer, and then some other untitled. Oh, I'm sure Josh he, Brolin. I'm sure, he's got other great things in the works too. Is a American worker, red blooded type guy. Sure. Role. <laughs> yeah, that's that seems about standard. Um, but yeah, I thought. I mean, yeah, Brolin looks so good as Cable. I loved the uh, the joke about the CG. Uh, yeah. Taking a jab at Justice League, be like, how come the arm's not finished? Not like we're trying to correct a mustache. <laughs> And it's so good. The Toy Story gag I thought was yeah. brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, who knows? That was always the plan. If they did this after all the Disney Fox stuff uh, happened, uh, just to uh, yeah. give another kind of, you know, not a, not necessarily a dig, but be like, all right, we can we can play in the Disney world a little right. bit. Right? It's a, they're not gonna sue us. Like, I mean, like they the sheriff. It's the sheriff Deadpool, right? Um, spoof that's sort of like out of the first Toy Story, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's sort of like playing with. You own us now. What are you going to do? Sue yourselves? Right. <laughs> like, they even had Wade written on the bottom of their shoes. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so so many great details. Um, it also brought, like, the Thanos jokes everybody's been waiting, been expecting. Yep. Where Deadpool in that Toy Story scene, like, gets right up in Cable's face. Like, <laughs> I got the stones look you're looking for. And then uh, when the CG joke about his arm uh, starts... Deadpool's like, F it, I'll do it myself, which is a right. callback to when Thanos goes, fine, I'll do it myself <laughs> at the end of Age of Ultron. So um, it, lo- it has the humor. It, the action looks super intense. Yeah. My only concern would be how do those mesh? Because there are some – there's obviously going to be jokey moments because it's Deadpool. Yep. But like that cable looks like a prison slash mental f- facility breakout scene. That is – that looks epic and very dark. And it's just like, how does that fit with Deadpool's jokes about, you know, lazy writing? And it's like, I, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think you just go with it. I mean, it, lo- it just looks, I mean, they're definitely making use of the 80 million, the, the budget that has been upgraded yes. since last time. There are, looks like there's going to be some kind of like skydiving jump event with a pre-X-Force type crew. With Terry Crews in there. With Terry Crews, it looked like Bill Skarsgård. Was that Bill Skarsgård? Yeah, there's been rumors that Bill Skarsgård's in there. And Which, then, after his It performance, I'm so, I'm uh, so stoked. <laughs> then there's also the mutant Shatterstar, which mm-hmm. um, is believed or rumored currently to be played by Iron Fist's uh, and into the Badlands actor Louis Tan, who's Ooh. like a really good martial artist. Yeah. So, oh, man. Yeah, exactly. But I will say this trailer does, like you said, a thousand percent on everything you said. Just not enough Zazzy beats. Yeah. You get one frame of her, and We've she was only... like the third person cast for this film, and she's just beating the crap out of somebody with the back of her elbow. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's like three shots of her. But okay, yeah, but yeah, it's nothing huge. That's it, and it's just kind of like, oh man, I want to see her, her kick speak so much or more. But yeah, I know. I mean, 
it's Deadpool's movie, so I'm not like I'm not I'm not afraid they like you know relegated her to like the sidelines. Right. But it's just like I'm I'm so excited um, to see her kick butt. But yeah, this looks like Deadpool too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with him chilling with the granny again and yeah. dope penders back in there and they're together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so, um, this is, this is back. I was, I, I love the first trailer, but this is back on track. And then Ricky Baker too. It looks like he's oh just having gosh. the time of his life in this <laughs> Julia movie. Julia Edison is the best. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the, the one thing I think is interesting about that oh, ec- the X Force shot. Did I call him by this? Yeah, by how people name? <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's synonymous with Ricky Baker. I mean the the amount of I knew that wasn't tweets right. I saw with of him giving the double bird. They just said <laughs> that's one bad egg. Is I mean thousands. I saw thousands of those tweets and I loved every one of them. <sighs> um, but the uh, the I agree with you about Zazie Beats. I wish yeah. we'd seen more, especially because her power set could present itself to have some really fun trailer moments where it's like she just has the the ability to always find like the best way out of anything like she mm-hmm. has probability altering power so like i believe in like set photos from deadpool the there's like a there was a, a shot of him with a parachute just like hanging off a billboard because he got stuck i'm guessing after this plane shot of them all jumping out but then yeah. you see domino she just like lands fine so I don't know if that plane gets like under attack, and then like it'd be it'd be it'd be kind of sad, uh, but I'd say not pretty funny if like this movie got you know Bill Skarsgård, Terry Crews, and like Louis Tan, and then it's just like this plane's under attack, they all just blow up in like five seconds, and then like Domino and Deadpool just fall to the ground, and you're like what? And then they rain down like the body yeah. parts and things like that from the crew that they assembled the right, fight. and like I could, I could see that happening. I think it'd be funny. Um, but I'll, if, if not, you know, if they've secretly snagged Bill Skarsgård and Terry Crews, Lewis Tan for a backup role, and then they get somebody else mm-hmm. big yeah. for an X-Force movie, that, I mean, I'm, I'm there for that. Yeah. Who, who, who's not going to say – who's going to say no to Terry Crews? Oh, my god, Nobody. So he, if you have time, go watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mean, oh, man, <laughs> he's so good in that. Uh, but moving on from Take It or Skip It, we got some big news in the DC world this week. Not technically the DC Extended Universe, whatever you want to call it, but something else with Variety Point that uh, Joking Phoenix is in talks to play the Joker, not in the DCEU, uh, or whatever that thing is called. He will instead play the part for the Todd Phillips directed film that is part of Warner Brothers' separate banner. Some people are calling it the Elseworld banner of DC films. The movie is being produced potentially by Martin Scorsese and is currently being written by 8 Mile writer Scott Silver. Uh, This was originally said to be a young Joker origin movie set in the 80s when this was initially announced with Joaquin uh, potentially taking on this role. Do you think that's still the direction they go and do you think he can be a good Joker? They could still go that way because the Joker origin story is very vague. But... uh, Joaquin Phoenix, everyone. Probably one of our best actors ever. Right? Maybe? I mean, he's, he's pretty good. I think he's the new... I think since Daniel Day-Lewis is finally walking away, I think he's Daniel Day-Lewis. Just Does he have an Oscar? Joaquin? Yeah, I don't think so. Not that I can think of. I'll double check. He's not been no, I know he's been nominated like twice or thrice. But anyway, just so good, okay? And I think he is going to crush it. His her performance is very 
because mm-hmm. this is the top of my head. It's very good, but that guy also can make a turn at any point yeah. and just be totally sadistic and crazy and in the subtle way, not the loony way that Jared Leto's Joker is, right. but just the sort of the a descent into madness. And I think Phoenix is perfect for that. But this Todd Phillips thing is the thing that just weirds me out about all of this whole mm-hmm. thing. Not weirds me out, but it's just like the guy's a comedy dude first and yeah. foremost. The Hangover films and I mean, I mean, Due Date, which I love. I mean, even War Dogs is like pretty comical. Yeah. But it also does pair those elements. With this, and that's the film that makes me kind of like, yeah, oh yeah, he could definitely handle this. Right. Um, but it just seems like a out of left field deal, even with Scorsese over the top. But maybe this is his pivot movie and he's had it in him the entire time. To, Joaquin? Uh, no, Phillips. Oh, okay. To get this movie out. Oh, no. Joaquin. Well, I mean, it's man's a, a maestro. I would say it's still a, a pivot going into uh, something this big, potentially. Because right. I don't want to shoehorn directors at all. But, like, like again, like we talked about with Itania this year and the dude that directed it, oh, whose shoot. No, name is gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It came out of nowhere to do, like, a wild movie that worked so well. Yes. So, but... Enough of me talking about how much I love Phoenix. What do you think of this? What do you think of the Else World? What do you think of Craig Gillespie? Oh, there we go. Is the name we were looking for. Um, I think this is very interesting because Joe Kane's been courted for many comic book movie roles in the past. He was very close to playing Doctor Strange. Passed on it, if you want to call it that, because of the contract that is required from these. So. If he was ever gonna going to do a comic book movie, something in this Elseworld style banner that is probably a one film, a mm-hmm. one and done. I feel like that's the only way you're gonna do it and get him. Um, but at the same time, he could still ultimately walk away from it. I wouldn't surprise me if he passed. Um, I, but I, I mean, I don't know. I don't get how this can be a a quote unquote young Joker origin when you have a guy who's, you know, 43 years old currently. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't scream young to me. I mean, by the time this movie gets off the ground, released, he'll be in his late 40s, mid to late. Um, and to answer your previous question, he has, he's has he been nominated three times for an Oscar, uh, but never won. He's been nominated for Gladiator, for Walk the Line, and yep. The Master. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he is... He is supremely talented. I thought he was great in her um, gladiator, all that stuff. But he just—he doesn't fit what I think of when I when I hear the pitch. All right, it's a young Joker movie in the eighties. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'd heard people say Bill Skarsgård. I'm like, that sure. Ooh, that, that seems like that one. would work. Uh, and that's what I, I mean. If you're gonna say young, uh, otherwise you're just like this is just a. And how, like, if it's a Joker origin movie, is he just like a regular schmo, and then something bad happens to him in his yeah. mid forties, and then he becomes a psychopath? Or how? I, I I don't know how that works, and that's obviously what this movie is going to be about. And tell me, but I'm still hesitant about the entire project at this point. Um, but I, I like the idea. I wonder if they go the killing joke route. If they adapted Man. that, which contains a Joker origin tale, because he does like 50 or 60 of them, yeah. um, 
that would be a really interesting port because you just drop them in. You can even cast a new Batman if you'd want to. But then again, I would think Scorsese wouldn't want to deal with Batman if he's producing and would nix that idea. I don't so know there's how just so many things. Scorsese will be if he actually produces this. But yeah, I don't think he needs to be young because the Joker is just the Joker. is pretty monolithic. He's going to be covered in white makeup at least two thirds of the film or one third of the film, depending on how. Yeah. The, process takes but i just think he's a great guy Mm -hmm. to get into it for so absolutely and the other person to potentially join the dc universe this one actually being we believe to be in the actual dc cinematic universe would be michael bay (laughs) with the rap revealing that he has been in contact with warner brothers about possibly directing a lobo solo movie uh thr later reported that the current version of the film would cost over $200 million to make, um, but that Bay gave notes to screenwriter Jason Fuchs to actually trim down that budget to make the movie smaller, um, which is surprising. And so that way, when it costs as much, once those rewrites are done, that's when the two sides are apparently going to talk again to see if they can. this can be a collaboration. I sure hope not. <laughs> I mean, and why? If, if anything, Lobo as this space adventurer, um, kind of macho of all macho men sort of persona that just doesn't give a f about anything. He just does whatever he wants and um, always smoking cigars, riding motorcycles. Like mm-hmm. that seems like the type of guy. Michael Bay <laughs> would work with, if anything. Yeah. But at the same time, when was the last time Michael Bay made a quality movie that had a decently big budget? 13 Hours was really good. I know you disagree. But at the same time, that movie didn't cost over $100 million. Yeah. That was probably a 40 to $50 million budget, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, his Transformers movies have been terrible of late and i just i i mean i just i don't know i get why warner brothers want to do this because it's michael bay right that that name carries a lot of weight with it but i i I just don't know i think if anything if this happens which i don't necessarily believe it's going to because if you're going to give lobo the priority over Flash mm-hmm. <laughs> or over a Superman sequel or Cyborg or Green Lanterns. Just like, what are you what are you doing, Warner Brothers? I thought Walter Hamada was supposed to come in and fix everything. If this is his first hire, man, that's going to really uh, change my opinion on how things are going over there. Michael Bay had to have said, I can do it for under 60 for this to even be considered. I can't. I cannot see. see that. I cannot see DC taking a risk on a property completely unknown for more than a hundred million dollars, or for that much. For even for eighty, I think it's too much of a risk. Maybe I don't know. I think I, I don't know. Michael you know, Bay. The, I, mean, I don't know. I've seen so many people suggest. Oh, you can pair him up with Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, I don't want to see Mark Wahlberg play Lobo. No, no thank you. Um, unfortunately. That duo, you can put Transformers names all over the marketing and put DC and have a trailer that's just all action and it'll probably make a decent amount of money regardless if it's good or not. But 
oh man, I'm not interested in this. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, not at all either. Um, Michael Bay's films are just, they're too self-aware and they're, they just, they don't have, they have a craft to them and their craft is action, 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 cheap joke, cheap joke, cheap joke. Cheap joke. Misogyny. Cheap joke. Yeah. Misogyny. You know, and it's just kind of, it's that way all the way through. And I know he knows how to do it. I mean, I the guy is probably a maestro with sets and cinematography mm-hmm. and I mean, those some are the ways. best parts of Transformers movies are all the action, but it's yeah. the characters that nobody cares about. And, and I just don't think that's the route DC wants to go, because that, that's the route they just went down. Yeah. But you know what? Michael Bay has nothing on his schedule. He does not. <laughs> and he's got to direct something soon. All right. So. Lobo or Bad Boys 3? Bad Boys 3. Yeah, Bad Boys 3. Right. All the way. Um, but sticking with the DC Universe, Wonder Woman 2 got some potentially interesting details this week as Omega Underground revealed that the working title for the sequel is Magic Hour. Now, I know you're all thinking working titles, production updates. When do you guys start covering that? We don't typically, but this one in particular could reveal, um, and at least has sparked speculation, that the sequel is going to deal heavily with magic and possibly feature Cersei as the villain. Uh, prior to the first movie, there were reports that WB wanted Eva Green to be in the first movie as this role. Um, we'll have to see if that comes full circle and she comes in the sequel, which hits theaters November 1st, 2019. Josh, do you like the idea of Wonder Woman 2 getting a little magic? Yeah, I mean, Lena Headley will make a perfect villain to um, play across Wonder Absolutely. Woman. I mean, the dragons and every... Wait, no, you're not talking... Wrong Cersei. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> my bad, my bad, still, my bad, my bad, my bad. But actually, why not get why Lena not, Headley get just to reprise the role? I mean, if they want to do a Game of Thrones crossover, <laughs> I'm all down. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, just sticking with mythos and the Greek mythology and things like that is Wonder Woman's, I think it's its best bet. Mm-hmm. When we reviewed the movie seven months ago? Last year. Yeah, which is wild. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's that old yet. Um, I kind of had hoped they would do some kind of Wonder Woman trilogy that can be set in Greek mythology or at least have those overtones or undertones or themes throughout it, no matter where it is. Right. And this is the first logic. I mean, this is the first signpost that they want to do that to increase the longevity of these films. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. Yeah. Now, my question would be, how does magic and cersei play into the cold war which is the reported um time placement of the sequel i i don't know i mean i Ares, the god of war world war Two, makes all the sense in the world cersei the cold war i don't i don't see the connection yeah it seems like you'd have to do sort of a stretch but, or you know make it say oh the soviets are going after this mythological item and we need you SAS officer Diana Prince to go after <laughs> them to stop them from uncovering something in North Africa or yeah. you know something like that or wherever that would be set up. Yeah, that could work. Um, but I, I like the idea especially I mean 
Eva Green, if that if that came full circle and they cast Eva Green as the villain. Ooh, yeah. That I'm all there for that. The other uh, suggestion I would throw out um, is just because I know she loves Patty Jenkins. She loved Wonder Woman, and she more traditionally fits the way uh, Cersei looks with her red hair would be Jessica Chastain. Um, just because I, I want Jessica Chastain either in, to get in this way or with Cheetah or whatever. I just want Jessica Chastain to get in Wonder Woman 2 somehow. Yeah. Um, but I think I think this could be uh, really fun. It could further introduce magic into this universe, which I think is something it could use very well. Um, but also, it's Wonder Woman 2. The first movie did so well. Why not give the sequel a full-on female villain instead of just doing Dr. Poison for like five minutes here and there (laughs) in the first movie. I think it makes sense for them to go all in um, and really just give a powerful female villain the central role. So um, speaking of diversity, Lucasfilm is reportedly being progressive uh, or getting up with the times. Yeah. And, getting diverse behind the camera but they're doing it in secret they're not ready to reveal those plans yet according to tracking board um they revealed this week that at least one woman and one person of color uh have been hired to write or develop future star wars movies i think the word i was looking for was um proactive there we go not uh progressive but um whoever those people are those names have not been revealed yet. So this came out after the uh, being or what are their names? The Game of Thrones guys. Yeah, Weiss and Benioff. Benioff. I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I would, for some reason I want to say Beendorf. Yeah, I, I kept. Where that's I kept from. getting it wrong on the um, episode. <laughs> but if you listen to our merch episode, if you haven't, go listen to it. But a new series of Star Wars movies are coming from the creators of Game of Thrones. Two more white guys sparked a lot of conversation of. How come Lucasfilm, with this female president, Kathleen Kennedy, who's preaching we need to be more inclusive and diverse, keeps just hiring white guys? So that's how this report kind of surfaced. Um, there are no names revealed yet, but or you know if it's just if these are screenwriters or if these are people that are developing to direct or what sort of stage or people are involved at this point, but. Um, do you think it's weird that they're not announcing these projects yet? Or is, are they just kind of holding off to make sure these ones actually happen first? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of this tracking board story. Because it's sort of kind of like, hey, don't worry, they got somebody. Right. Kind of a deal. And um, having people in development is not the same thing as saying, we're going to risk money on you. Or we're yeah. going gonna to trust you with like, you know, money. And that's kind mm-hmm. of, and it's, I just, yeah, it's neat or it's nice. Um, the New York Times, like, gosh, two, three months ago, um, published a story about the diverse writer's room at Lucasfilm. Right. I think it's, and then I think, I think in the thing, it's all women too. And it was like really cool. Like they're part of continuity. They take care mm-hmm. and they've been shepherding everything that is now canon for the Star Wars universe. Right. And them having writers and, producers working on projects and submitting them to Kennedy is great. It's awesome. But at the same time, if you don't say, Hey, make the movie, 
you're not you're not actually investing at all other right. than just keeping someone on salary to you know um you know, just pitch ideas mm-hmm. and the game of thrones people as much as i mean like i come down on the i think they can do a good job side but they just kind of probably sent a sent a packet into kennedy and she went yeah, you know good. stamped an a on it and said go for it and you know what are they what is someone going to have to do to get a a seal of approval from Kennedy, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, Iger and whoever else in the chain of command is going to put the investment out there on those movies. Yeah. I think the point you brought up of, um, you know, basically that Lucasfilm is developing multiple things that are not public knowledge, mm-hmm. um, is important to point out because you know, like this past week, um, black Panther writer, Joe Robert Cole said, Oh yeah. You know, a couple years ago, I was working on a war machine script for a solo movie starring Don Cheadle. It's like, Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I would have. I'd have been down to see that. It never happened. Um, there were never any director talks. None of that stuff ever really became public knowledge that that was something that they were kind of actively developing. Um, and I think the reason why they keep all that stuff um, under wraps is so there's not a situation like at Warner Brothers where it's like we've got seventy so- seventy five seventy five yeah. <laughs> DC movies in development. 20 of them are Harley Quinn movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's about, you know, 67 of them are Batman, you know, centric of some sort of whether it's Nightwing or something to do with Gotham. So then people are just like, oh, so you guys are making all these movies. No, they're considering making them. Right. And if you're Lucasfilm and you're there is that need to diversify Hollywood currently, it would not look good if they were like, all right, we've got this up-and-coming female director developing a series of movies or developing a movie. Right. And then they're like, nothing happens with it for a couple years. I'm like, hey, what's happening? They're like, oh, it's not happening anymore. It's like, yeah. wait, what? Right. You you canceled the movie you hired a female director for? That would cause an even bigger uproar than yeah. never hiring one. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I, th- I can understand why they're not making those announcements yet, but if... But at the same time, like if you have hired them with the intent to make the movies, why not announce them? Unless you're just trying to hold off on your plans overall and not like bombard people like we've got Star Wars movies planned out for 60 years. And you're like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Like maybe they're trying to take it slow. Um, but I, I, and the weird thing is, I don't even think the next announcement we'll get about the next director of Star Wars will be a female because we're the next official announcement we'll get is the Obi-Wan. And if Daldry signs on, right, it's another one. So <laughs> I don't know if they'll try to be like, Hey, we've got Ava DuVernay developing right. this for to come out in theaters five years from now, but just so you know, it's coming <laughs> <laughs> to try to take some of the, uh, the pressure off of them and the criticism. Right. But, uh, I think I, I think they get you get an announcement of a director for the Benioff and Weiss films. At the same time, you get the director for the next anthology film, come that precedes nine. You'll get those at the same time. Uh, I don't know because Obi Wan, if it comes out in twenty twenty, we're gonna need a new director by the end of this year, probably. Yeah, I think so they have time to fair. develop. Right. The Benioff and Weiss, they're not even going to start working on this new series until next year. 
So we're not going to hear anything about that for a while. So I think it's it's Daldry at some point, and unless they announce another new movie, whether it's a standalone or a new series from Reed Morano or whatever, I don't think we're going to get that other director announcement. Until next year? Yeah, yeah. until next D23. Which would be fair. That, at that time, Benioff and Weiss... They'll, they'll they'll be done with Game of Thrones. They'll be starting to you know at least get production you know, levels going for right. their film. And like Bob Iger said that they have a, a specific time yeah. place in mind to make these, so they know their vision in some aspect. Um, so that way they can start honing the script and then bring the director on then to help in that process. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. You know when the female director is announced, when the person of color is announced. Um, all of those things are very much, you know, kind of wait and see at this moment. Yeah, exactly. uh, unfortunately, something we don't have to wait and see uh, anymore is who will direct the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff movie within the Fast and Furious franchise with the rap revealing that David Leach is the current frontrunner to direct the film starring Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham. It is set to open in theaters July 26th, 2019. Do you think this is a good fit? Yeah. The master of, I guess I don't know what you would call it, action himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the 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 choreography wizard, the stuntman of stuntmans or stunt coordinators or whatever the case is. Yeah, I mean, and if Hobbs and Shaw is going to be just a, a knockout, drag out action flick turned up to 10 with no Fox family, you know, okay. storylines to go with it, why not get the dude that, just excels at this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think Deadpool 2 is more exciting than Deadpool 1. And yeah, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the guy did John, Walk in a, John Wick in Atomic Blonde. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Chinese spinoff. <laughs> um, so yeah, I am absolutely, I'm stoked for this. Uh, yeah, so am I. I, uh, I, <laughs> I think this is a really good fit. I mean, if it wasn't him, it'd be like Chad Stileski. Um, <laughs> There were previous reports that um, Shane Black was being considered for this. Oh, he would have been great. I think that would have really fit. It would have given me a completely different tone in my head of what this movie is going to be. Shane Black, it's all right. It's it's The Rock. It's Jason Statham. Buddy Cop. (laughs) Let's just travel around the world. Let's have fun. (laughs) This, with the hiring of Leech potentially, is just like, oh, we're going a little darker. We're going a little more gritty. Mm Um it won't surprise me. There were those reports that Charlize Theron was being, um, that they were talking to her about coming back as the villain of this. Yeah. He, uh, he worked with her with Atomic Blonde, mm-hmm. and the results in terms of the fights and the stunts were outstanding. So yeah. I can definitely see his hiring be like one final thing. Be like, Charlize, are you sure you don't want to come back? Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll work with David once more. Yeah. I mean, they didn't kill her for a reason. Yeah. So I think uh, – you know, if that's the way it goes, if it's Charlize and it's Johnson and it's Statham, and then they get Luke Evans has said he's open to returning, and we know he's alive now somehow. Yeah. Um, and then no complaints. If, if it's if it's them four teaming up or going against each other, and David Leach is directing, I'm I'm there. It it sounds like it should be a fun thing. I'm excited to see what Fast and Furious without cars probably uh, will yeah. look like. So. Uh, I'm way more interested in this than Fast and Furious 9, that's for sure. Right, and this is going to be good for, I mean, Leak 2. I mean, the dude's finally going to get his payday. 
his you know big budget billion dollar film potentially um check so good for him yeah, I mean, this could all change if Deadpool 2 comes out and it bombs and it's terrible, but eh, <laughs> right. I think if anything, it just gives you more confidence. Like, that Deadpool 2 is probably going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, um, last bit of news we have of this week. David Goyer, uh, as revealed by, by Variety, uh, he has passed on directing Masters of the Universe. We talked about it a couple weeks ago that you know, he was the choice. He was in talks to direct after working on the script. Um, now he is not going to direct the film due to scheduling issues because he's developing uh, a new series at Fox um, for TV that he is really, really interested in and passionate about. So he's bypassing directing this to do that. Um, he is still staying attached to Master of the Universe as a screenwriter and producer. And Sony is said to have already have been reaching out to other directors to fill the void, whether that was preemptively because they thought this would happen or because maybe this wasn't entirely <laughs> Goyer's decision. Right. We don't know. But as of now, Master of the Universe, no director. Set to hit theaters December 18th, 2019, right up against Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> Uh, does this movie still hit that date? I think the movie moves its date, whether or not they have a director or whatever the case is, because you, you don't take an action movie and pit it against Star Wars. Unless you're Jumanji. They didn't even go up against Star Wars. <laughs> I, they were I know. They, were, after, two week, they right? were two weeks after. Yeah. I mean, so which is which is why it did so well. Yeah. But do you think Jumanji stole some of Star Wars' thunder? Oh, yeah. At least in the terms of uh, drop-off? I, th- I think... Percentage Jumanji. I mean, Jumanji is at like eight fifty now. I think worldwide, yeah. which is just mind blowing. Um, I think it, de- it definitely took the wind out of Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, Goyer's a writer first. I think. I think he enjoys that more than directing. The last his last directorial effort was Blade Trinity. Yes, which is forever ago. But I, I mean, I don't. I, doesn't mean he probably doesn't have the chops to direct. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorkin jumped into the director's chair after uh, really well th- th- this last year. So I'm sure Goyer, who's penned the scripts for just about every DC, or at least had a hand mm-hmm. in almost every DC movie um, for the last couple of years, uh, would crush it. Um, also, video game writer too. Yeah. So I mean, he's just he's everywhere. And uh, if he, so I'm willing to believe that he passed on Masters of the Universe and Sony also just as said. Yeah, let's go find somebody else. Yeah, is there anybody you can think of to that you'd be like, oh, they would work? Uh, yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, I thought of Neil Blomkamp or Blomkamp, Blomkamp, but that's just spitballing. Um, I know he appreciates Masters of the Universe a little bit. Okay. I mean, and also I think in with his Chappie movie, he yeah. does a little bit of a. <laughs> Of a, uh, a little uh, wink and a nod to it, so I'm like, you yeah, know, maybe he could take, it. he could handle that. It's I mean, also he's, he's not doing Alien, <laughs> right? Five, exactly, so. and he's he's a little bit zany, and I think he could he could have fun with that, right? But you know, I I haven't given it any other thought other than that. Okay, I mean, it, it definitely depends on the tone that they want, right? For this, if they were going zany, you just rip off Thor Ragnarok. You know, to the bones, and you just cast deal. You cast Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. as He Man, and you get Taika to direct it, and you're you're gold. Yeah. You've got a billion dollar hit, probably. Um, I mean, that's the way I think they would go. There's other people who think Master of the Universe could be this like epic. You know, if you if you really focus in on hone on the characters and the worlds and everything, that you could really make this huge sprawling epic franchise. 
Um, if that's the case, I've been I've seen people suggest Zack Snyder. <laughs> I was like, if yeah. he wants to get back into the director's chair, um, and do something big that I would have to believe Sony would be like, they're not gonna be too controlling over this. Like, if so, if Zack came in and was like, I've got this idea for six movies. I think Sony would let him do his thing. Um, that's not necessarily where I would go. I don't know, right. even know. I think Duncan Jones is a name that I think uh, would be he interesting. He would be a great fit. Um, he showed with Warcraft that he can do the world building. Yep. Um, so I think that would be an interesting way to go. And uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe that would be the way Sony uh, calls. But we'll have to wait and see who eventually fills that seat. That is all we have for this episode. Before we sign off, Josh, what are we going to be reviewing next week? We're going to be taking a pass. Not taking a pass. We're getting on board. We're, I don't know what we're doing, but we're, it's Black Panther. We're going to Wakanda. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, and I'm hyped for it. I it, All indications are the film's going to be a juggernaut. $150 million opening weekend, guaranteed. But I think it, I think word of mouth, great reviews, puts it, over two hundred. Whoa, 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 whoa! Save, million. save your prediction for our preview episode, man. Come I know, on. but just in case. <laughs> All right, what? What? I mean, Cooper, it's the Marvel oh, movie. Man. You're the king. Come on, what's up? I'm not. I mean, T'Challa is the king. That's I'm not true. gonna take his crown ever. Um, I was just rewatching Parts of a War earlier today, and Chadwick is so good in the role. Um, I I cannot wait. It's killing me that you know people have been watching this movie for like two weeks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, these press have. I'm just like sitting over here <laughs> again waiting for our press invites or yeah. our screeners or whatever <laughs> um which are not happening this year that's for sure so uh next time marvel you can give us a call bring me down to la for the <laughs> world premiere of infinity war oh friends and film will blow up those 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 photos from that event were just so cool um yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm uber excited for it. we're gonna get all into it in our black panther preview episode we'll also have a marvel related big question coming out in a couple of days um how big should Infinity War be? Because that's next up after Black Panther. It's got the mega cast. It's been building towards this forever. So we want to talk about you know how big the cast should be, how big the story should be, how big the runtime should be. Just lots of big topics for the big question. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Retweet and more. Head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show and why other people should tune in as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Friends of Film and follow me personally on there at Movie Cooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And if you want to talk about bagels with me, you can get at me at just Joshua Ryan. Okay, and thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast, Josh. Please give me a screener for Annihilation. <laughs> and be sure to turn next week for our view of Black Panther. <laughs>